all I'm interested in is getting finding people who are actually qualified to come, motivated to come and work with them, or people who are, don't mind taking a, a chance at maybe a 20, 30% chance, but they know it and they understand it and they're willing to do it because, you know, it's worth doing it and not doing it. Hello, fellow entrepreneurs and Triple M Nation. This is Steve Hamoon here, and this is the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, your go-to resource for breaking financial plateaus and taking your business to the next level. Whether you're just starting your entrepreneurial experience or you're a seasoned veteran striving for expansion, you are in the right place. As myself, as a successful entrepreneur in tech, construction, real estate, mortgages and financing, and in my business consulting, I have helped countless individuals achieve their financial success by pinpointing their challenges and guiding them to creating massively successful outcomes. Now, don't worry. It doesn't matter if you're making under $100,000 or if you're making well over a million. This show's intention is to offer you a fresh perspective and provide actionable advice to help you drive your success. Each week, we bring in powerful stories of guests who've wrestled with challenges, much like yours, and have emerged victorious. These stories are not far-fetched fantasies. They are possible and they are real, and they are a testament to what you can achieve with the right mindset and the right strategies. Expect an in-depth market analysis, empowering insight into sales and marketing and HR, and above all, an unwavering commitment to you to guide you towards achieving your financial goals. So are you ready to unlock your entrepreneurial potential? Join me every week on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, where success isn't just a dream, it's a journey we will embark on together. Hey everybody, it's Steve here. I'm so excited for our episode. We have Blaine Kumar of Bright Immigration and we are going to talk about one of the highly most talked about subjects that happen in Canada is immigration. And now this is something that is really important, really all around the world. So Blaine, do a little introduction. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, my name is Blaine Kumar. I'm the CEO and founder of an award-winning immigration firm called Bright Immigration based out of Toronto. And of course, we also have two platforms I'm very excited to share later on, uh, but with all up in and around immigration that we built to uh, service the immigration market because we've seen a lot of issues. So be happy to share some of those with you as we're going. Absolutely. Well, issues are certainly something that we love talking about. And, <laughs> you know, when I look at immigration, when my family first came over from the Netherlands, you know, my dad, when he showed up, he showed up with a chest. They got on a boat, which was Holland America, actually, was when he was doing the, the, the cruise ships back and forth, but they weren't really cruise ships back then. And, you know, they got off the boat, couldn't speak a lick of English and boom, go figure your stuff out. How has that changed to, to today? What, what does today look like? Oh, today's very different. I make a little, I have a little joke. I say Canada was like, Canada's like Tesla now and Canada was like Tesla 15 years ago. So what I mean yeah. by that is Canada's bomb is well than it was ever. Um, it is the number one destination country. For most of the world, it's surpassing the U.S., U.K., Australia in terms of uh, preference and settlement. So, uh, whereas back in the seventies, eighties, and I would even go as far as say the nineties, Canada was definitely in the other side of things. Or at the top, they were really competing with other countries for immigration and trying to get people to come to Canada. So even when my family uh, migrated from uh, Trinidad and Fiji, my dad's from Fiji, mom's from Trinidad, 
um, I'm a different immigrant story. They came and, and, you know, Canada was looking for definitely workers or skill sets. And, but it was far easier for them to immigrate than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Uh, I do want to go to Fiji though, man. You see that family back there? Yeah, <laughs> you know, Forbes magazine, I remember coming across an article maybe a handful of years ago, listed Fijians to be the happiest people in the world. And when you go there, you're like, okay, they're soft. They're poor. Tony but... Tony Robbins has a place there, does he not? Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a place there. He says that. Yeah. It's amazing. It's unreal. When I was young, people told I walk walk to highlands. When there's yeah. no tide, you can literally just walk from one island to another. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. The when you talk about the happiest population ever, let's talk about Canadian population. Right? Are are immigrants feeling happy as they come over? Yes and no. Like, you know, I know you hear a lot of stories of, of the dooms, like, you know, oh my God, well, why did I come or, or the hardships? You know, my parents and I'm sure your family and my parents and my grandparents shared stories of Colton right? Like, so it's never easy. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it takes. I have a lot of, um, have a lot of respect for those who make that job, but it is a journey. It's not meant to be an easy thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was born here. It's me and I'm sure, you know, yourself, and, you know, keeping up with all, everything we have to keep up with. It, it, it's not even easy for us. So for someone coming into the country new, it's definitely not an easy thing. So, yes, but I definitely speak to a whole heap of people who really, really, really have to be here. They love Canada. Um, especially I find that folks where they have young children or plan to have kids and they're just, you know, nothing's perfect in the world. Everything has got its pluses and minuses. But, you know, even when I speak to people who are a little skeptical, kind of like, oh, we got so cross. We're like, we're, and, and we really like, had a conversation this weekend, actually, um, with, a, with a good friend and we're like, where, where do you live? And oh, absolutely. When, when you yeah. look at the Canadian government and, and everybody has the things that they love about the government. And everybody has the things that they loathe about the government. And it doesn't matter how you are politically. And, and then you go, okay, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here and I'm going to go somewhere else. What does that other place look like? And then, then you go, no, I think Canada is actually pretty good. You know, it's a pretty yeah, good spot. I find it's very easy for people to say those things when they have the comfort of a Canadian passport in their pocket. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, you're right. right? Right. Yeah. So when they have a Canadian passport in their pocket, they know home's home. They know here's here. Um, and even from a geo, like look at my map up there, right? Like that's North America and South America. But even from a geographical position, there's really no safer place to be in the entire world than, than Canada. Well, we don't even me. have like, we don't even have dangerous like eco, you know, system. You know, there's no crazy spider that's going to kill us. <laughs> I mean, we have ice storms, but we yeah. don't have. I mean, we really don't get a lot of the heavy, you know, tornadoes, the no. typhoons, the, I mean, we get them every once in a while, but nothing really, you know, on the, on the, on the daily, so to speak, but there's no yeah. like scorpions. I mean, it's, it's a great spot, you know, from that. Yeah. Like Vancouver is a fault like Voyager BC and, and the Allagic region has the oceans, but you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, huge chunk of Canada that they could move to without having to cross even a lake to, to get yeah. to or even yeah. a river. I don't think there's a river they have to cross to get there. So you can cross <laughs> Canada. So, um, right. you know, it's, it's good. So yeah, Canada is, is and, and you know, even with, um, I'm sure you're meeting with Trump's climate refugees, right? So, well, there, there is this up, um, there is a situation 
we're expecting to continue climate shifts as flooding or environmental dangers cases need to leave situations and that is be one place for that so that's what we're believe it or not so there's so many reasons why people are bullish on real estate in canada believe it and I, i'm i'm one of them yeah i think i think real estate's gonna you know it, it's one of those things where i mean i did a study looking at real estate and you compare the interest rate of today which you know you know at the time of this recording in 2023 you know has risen you know to a 40-year high uh you know in the in the in the magnitude of its increased uh increase or whatever it is 43 mm-hmm. you compare that back to say 2007 you know it's probably the most close that we can get to and you compare the cost of real estate back then to the cost of real estate now and then you factor in inflation you know just raw inflation over 20 years we're at the right. same price you know, right. so so it's not as if there were the, the housing, while it feels painful right now, the only thing that just hasn't hit was the increase, in, you know, in um, uh, in incomes. Right. right. We haven't seen the every inflation shown everywhere except for the middle class income. And and I think that that's just the painful element of where we are right now. You know, and I, and I think I agree on being bullish on real estate. I think I, I feel that way. I think Canadian real estate is, is a, right. always a solid investment. And uh, and so I'll continue to believe that way for sure. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And um, you know, I, I know we're talking real estate here, but in terms of the global situation, um, all in all, and everything that's going on, Canada is actually, you know, I know inflation's high. Um, I know real estate's high, but it's a common problem. Not the only ones, right? So you know, most of the developed world is going through the same thing. And and when you look at Canada, another thing too is yeah, real estate and the biggest bubble. I'm not saying it isn't like, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm in real estate. I understand it, but I'm not an expert. Even experts don't know. But, you know, when you compare real estate values to other first class countries or, or cities like Toronto, for example, Toronto doesn't even show up on the map. Um, doesn't even show up on a list, right? San Francisco's there. LA's there. Tokyo's there. London's there. Paris is there. You know, Singapore is there, but Toronto's not even on the map. So, well, yeah. I mean, we we think our real estate is expensive, and I spent a lot of time down in Miami. And you compare our real estate prices to the cost in Miami; it's dirt cheap, mm-hmm. especially when you factor in the 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 conversion of Canadian dollars uh, to American dollars. You know, right. I think, and then the the cost of our interest rate because Americans, you know, sometimes pay a little higher interest rate than Canadians do. It's cheap compared to a lot of other places. Yeah, even still, even under today's price, even under today's interest rates. Absolutely. You know, the, the, and then and then you throw in the most progressive immigration policies in the developed nations, right? Um, you have you know you have pro immigration no matter which side of the coin you're looking at, whether it's liberals or conservatives or whatever political party there is. So there's a lot of reasons to be bullish. So yeah, that's uh, you know I think, I think that's any, very, anybody that's who looks at immigration in a negative way, you know, in my opinion, this is just my humble opinion, doesn't really take into the context of what is required to sustain a country. I mean, you look at this, the country of Canada and you say, okay, well, once you get all these baby boomers retiring, number one, who's going to take all the jobs? But more importantly, who's going to pay all the taxes to support all these systems that have been created? Right. If there's nobody yep. in place to be able to pay that, your system's right. going to start to fall apart. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, you know, people are looking at the U.S. Like, why is U.S. immigration tightening up? I'm like, look at their demographics. They're, they're actually one of the best in terms of developed nations. Um, the developed world in terms of uh, their demographics, right? And maybe that was because they adopted their immigration policies 
much earlier, maybe because they border around Mexico and was able to, there's a lot of young population coming through there. Like, I'm not entirely sure of the U.S. demographics and why it's that, but it is far better than Germany, than Canada, Europe, you know, a lot of Europe. Japan is the, I think everyone, most folks should know about demographics, know Japan is actually probably, they're past the point now, pretty much. They're kind of in some serious trouble. But, um, well, serious trouble, but I think they've adapted. I think they've found some creative ways to maybe work it up, but still. So immigration, um, Canada was and still remains to be in the forefront of that. Um, if those who know immigration very well, like my colleagues who know the space, know that you know we also have a phenomenal uh, immigration system called Express Entry, which is it's an incredible system. I personally don't like it from an immigration expert because it's a pain in the butt to deal with. Like, there's so many changes and it's just oh, really hard to pinpoint. But as a Canadian and as someone who wants the the best for Canada and the country and wants immigration to be positive, that almost system about the autumn cold shower. If the water's too hot, turn on the cold water a little bit. Water's too cold, turn on the hot water. Just fine. And and that's exactly the system we have. It's incredibly malleable. Um, so, you know, and that was that was launched in 2015. So that system's here. It's been around almost 10 years. And Canada just keeps leaning on this phenomenal system to to kind of help with the immigration strategies. So when you look at that and you say, okay, you, you talk about you interface with that system. You know, I always wonder, why do you have immigration consultants? Like, why didn't people just deal with the government and get through and like, what, what value would somebody like you produce? Like, I, I, I don't understand it. Absolutely. No, I, and then that's, that's a good question. So let me ask you, if you go to court and you got a speeding ticket, is, are, is the prosecution and the judge trying to get you off your speeding ticket? Probably not. <laughs> right. So I don't speed too, too often. When you're applying for immigration, Canada's not trying to get you approved, right? Canada is just accessing your application. And they're very, especially when they're, especially when there's delays or they're backlog, they're brutal. Yes, no, no, just no line of certificate for you set back, right? Mm. So though you think Canada has a very progressive, and it does have a progressive immigration system, you really can't afford to make mistakes. And it's also the fastest change in your law in Canada. Honestly, I could say immigration changes every two to three days. Some, some are used to change. Really? Whether a program opens up or closes, whether there's a draw, whether there's a, you know, um, something happened here, you know, or there's a, there's a geopolitical crisis coming up, you know, like <laughs> there's always something changing in immigration somewhere. So mm-hmm. the reason why someone wants to lead towards an expert is you don't want to make a mistake. You can't. So yeah. Um, yeah. money can't fix it. Connection can't really fix it. So, you know, you don't want to screw around with that. Um, it's kind of like doing the plumbing and electrical work in your house. Sure, you could do it. And then you board it all up. And all of a sudden, you made some pretty big boo-boos. You know, that's even, that, that analogy is not even a fair representation. clients who made most smallest on a very simple work permit or postgraduate work permit. And guess what? complete disaster like gotta fight tooth and nail and and it's very discretionary and also that's another thing too a lot of immigration it's discretionary like especially when you're dealing with like study permits and visitor visas and work permits it's up to the officer it's up to the officer to look at it and, and make a determination so why hire an expert i tell people listen you could do 80 percent of the file yourself but 
I have a wealth and my team has a wealth of knowledge. Every single day, every single morning, my entire team talks as a team. We have brainstorming sessions every single day. Um, and so we have knowledge of thousands of files going through, going through, oh, something came up or can actually solve it. Well, we applied this on this strategy award. Let's do the same. Um, and, and a lot of great, great experts aren't passing out their information online for free. You know, um, I find that there's a lot of folks um, who, if you're still a lot of time on social media and getting market following, all that, great. But that means you're not maybe not spending a lot of time to actually getting the files or supporting the team that's doing the files. So, you know, that's what I've noticed. So long to answer your question, I just think it's way too big of a risk to mess around with. Yeah, that makes sense. The when you look at the pricing, like is that something that gets absorbed in some Canadian program, or is that something that they're absorbing themselves? You know, what do they? How does that that factor in from a cost model for them coming in the door? So, what do you, uh, pricing in terms of? Yeah, they if they were gonna you know recruit somebody like yourself, are they paying out of pocket for that, or is a program oh, paying yeah, for that? Yeah. So th- there's two there's two spectrums. A there's legal aid that's usually. Res- you know, that's for refugee specific cases. Um, mm-hmm. So refugees have legal access to legal aid. Now, legal aid is capped fairly small, right? So a lot of the great practitioners don't like legal aid. So they, they, they do charge. And then the entire industry, you for the most part, you have to pay for the service. So, you know, give or take, the service could be the cost of a round trip flight for you and your spouse if you're if you have to have a spouse. You know, so it depends on who you're using, what services, and whatever the case is. But you know, the cost of your flights is like you know, sometimes it's more than that, but gives you a ballpark. Depends, on your depends if you're flying on swoop or something, <laughs> <laughs> or direct or not direct, right? So yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. Okay, so there there are a few thousand dollars or whatever to to kind of get things going. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I find that you know, at Bright, our fees are fairly reasonable. Um, you know, we like to kind of keep it that way. But of course, it does. You know, even as a business person myself, it depends on what's going on. It depends on processing times. So what happens is when we're handling a file, we're completely liable, right? So that's why you know I, I'm very big in accuracy when I speak. You know, I think it is you should look into versus you know it will. Um, so. You know, and I tell that to my team because if you're giving me, if I'm asking you a question, you're giving me an answer. I need to know is it or I think it is. Two very distinctive differences. So yeah, that's very important. you know, and that's another thing I, I recommend. There's lots of great professionals out there, people who know their stuff. But immigration comes down, in my opinion, to a lot of um, you know, just like any occupation, really. Sometimes it's a balance of knowledge, creativity, um, risk taking, risk assessment. You know, I'm a big person in risk. Um, sometimes I'm talking to a client, I'm like, you know what, your chances, I got to tell you, isn't the world's best, but here's your option. Either you do it or you don't do it, or you don't do it, you go solve it, give yourself some more strength and take two years to do that. Um, and then when you phrase it out with clients, like, oh, I don't want to switch. I'd rather get an answer or take a chance at 20%. Uh, yeah. My job is yeah. to try to set the expectations as honestly as possible, make sure people don't hear what you're signing up for. Okay, excellent. And when you look at the... Um... Um, when you engage with them, are you engaging them pre-country or are you engaging them as they arrive? Like, how does that occur? You know, are they back home saying, man, I should uh, probably retain somebody or are they, you know, as they land and then either year or two into it, they're frustrated and then they reach out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good question. It just depends on you. 
Um, some firms have presence overseas, and how to focus overseas, some inside of Canada, um, helping those who go through that journey. And then, you know, and obviously those who are inside of Canada typically have a lot of exposure overseas too. So we have tons of clients referring us. Bright is actually a lot of our business. Also have a lot of outside too. Um, but what I've noticed is, and this is what I've noticed through my experience, is when you deal with a firm or deal with experience of people inside of Canada, their knowledge base is far wider because they're dealing with someone who has refused, deal with someone who misrepresented here, deal with someone that is dealing with the mistakes that their first agent you represented. I use agent because a lot of overseas people are licensed. They're technically non-licensed. Um, so, so that's what I that's what I find. I find that you or I when I have conversations with immigration, like outside the inside, find that they're all just So, as a as a immigration firm, you need to be licensed in Canada. Is that correct? Is what you said? Well, yeah. So basically, in order to give advice, I have to serve this working. You need to be an immigration licensed consultant or a lawyer. You cannot be a paralegal. You cannot be any other, you know, you can't be an agent. So there's a lot of agents overseas offering services, charging people. It's very, I, financial fraud and then immigration fraud is right out of there. Um, so it's a big industry. There's a lot of people who don't have proper represent. There's no, there's no aid. There's no regulatory framework. There's no ethics standards. Um, there's no license and emission insurances. Like there's just there's nothing there, right? So, um, so what what happens in those situations? So let talk to me about how somebody gets caught up in that. You know where in, um, you know yeah, like the pitfalls so, of dealing with a company and what can they do to make sure that they're not dealing with somebody who is, you know, of that fraudulent ilk. Right. So you know the first thing to, to pay attention to is is you know. The law society, every province has no law society. And um, CICC, which is the regulatory body for immigration consultants, you should be able to find that person online, see that they're licensed. Make sure you're speaking to that person as well. And what's what's but, the website for that, just for, for the listeners? Um, to... The law society, it really, so you can go to search like law society, you know, it's usually pretty easy to find the list. Just search up the name and then it'll say if you're active statuses and make sure that our lawyers not paralegals that's important to recognize um because law society doesn't recognize paralegals to do it which means insurance those things don't take hold and CICC um I, I forget the acronym believe it or not at uh Canadian Immigration Citizenship Consultants if I'm not mistaken um mm-hmm. they recently did a name change I just never picked up I always get the C's mixed up um so that would be that would be the, the second regulatory body. And and yeah, that's important. There's you know, otherwise, you know what's funny, I was doing some research. Um Toronto Star posted an article in twenty nineteen said that like ninety something percent, so really high percent of files were unrepresented, which the newspaper made it seem like, hey, these are people who did it themselves. Completely wrong. Those are people who use unauthorized people who would not Put themselves on on as representative. So if you're using a non-representative oh, person, right, overseas, they're not there signing a form saying I'm a representative. Or stuff. You're just putting your name on. So what happens is actually there's never representation. They're just doing that, taking money, misleading people. A lot of times there's just no it's a wild west out there, which is why I kind of got into it and why I, I 
you know, a couple of the projects we're building on is for this particular reason of combat, um, people being taken advantage of, not even by unlicensed people who still try to do okay, but there's a lot of people who are just out there scamming people, people who have pretty much very small chances of immigrating, charging mm-hmm. them five, ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars to immigrate to Canada. People are giving up their property, selling their property. Like it's it's crazy. There is a whole I'm waiting for someone to do a documentary on it because there is a massive, very dark side to immigration. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I and I, you know, I, I know I know in, in the one of the businesses we own, which is the mortgage business, and we see people come over and you can see that they've been packaged in a way as they came in from out of country into country in a way that is very fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know exactly what they're doing. You know, they come over with a big chunk of money. You know, they come over, signed up to every disability program under the sun, <laughs> and then they work all their cash jobs on the side and they're buying houses. And mm-hmm. you, we can't deal with them because all their documents are fraud documents. We tell them that and they say, well, we'll just go to the bank and pay the teller 5,000 bucks. They'll get it done. And, mm-hmm. you know, because they've been, they've been trained to, to handle things that way. And mm-hmm. I find that extremely unfortunate because it's not necessarily the individual. And, and, and I know they're party to the transaction, but because they've been sort of coached, this is the way to do things. Mm-hmm. And they might've come out of a country where in that country, I mean, the idea of the hand, you know, the, 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 the cash in hand handshake with the police officer is a normal transaction. Absolutely. You nailed it. You know, you the, know, the concept of fraud is, is normal. There's a normalcy to it, right? That's right. Um, and, and where they, that's the way that the vehicle that they get into the country, they think exactly what has happened in their country is the same here. So right. keep on with, with the status quo and the people here get very frustrated at the individual. And I look at it more as the s- systemic issue of, uh, of solving the problem from a system perspective so that when they come over, there's almost like a, uh, I wouldn't say an indoctrination that sounds really bad, but a, uh, a process in which people can learn the rules of the land. And the, mm-hmm. the mechanisms of communication, what fraud is, what you know, laws are, yeah. and Canada doesn't Canada doesn't yeah. do nothing. Canada doesn't. Canada doesn't do anything mm-hmm. like that. They provide some settlement services, which are extremely unrealized. Um, Canada does nothing like that. So, you know, um, it, it is. We see it. Um, you know, everyone's got their own opinions with immigration. It depends. Like I get. I just have. I just deal with a lot of people. Like I've done over ten thousand consultations, I, a lot. Um, seeing the ins and outs, um, you know, and you got, you know, and you know how many refugee files we represented two um, ever. Um, and the reason we've only done two and we don't do them is because I'll be frank, like we don't, you know, our reputation is incredibly important, and we don't stand behind, you know, some of these things where I'm sitting in an office and it's very clear that I'm dealing with someone, you know, with a family and. And a partner of the opposite sex next to them, and they're claiming homosexuality, and and they're claiming refugee claims, right? And and then you know there is a there is a lot of support given, and so anyways, there is a whole aspect to um, immigration. Remember, I said financial fraud, immigration fraud, right? So and and they're not that far apart; they're fairly yeah. close. So yeah. that is a big thing, and 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 you know, and I, one thing I'll urge the listeners: if you're going to use an immigration representative. Make sure you know the reputation that they have, because what happens to a lot of cases where, you know, I don't know if you heard about international students who keep scam documents or 700 of them, or um, there was a, quite a bit of folks who lost citizenships, got the citizenship revoked. It tied back to the representative who was just doing some shady stuff, right? Um, or a legal representative. So sometimes I've heard stories where there are 
and a CPSA officer would ask, who's your representative? So make sure you say really reputable representative. Um, so that goes a long way. And I keep seeing that over and over again. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not trying to plug here. I'm just really trying to explain it's important that in the immigration space, you run in a reputable manner for the sake of your clients and for the sake of uh, other people, right? And just like accountants, right? Counting. It's a good example, right? Well, it's because some accountants doing some really shady stuff. CRA picks hold of it. Guess what? All of their clients are now audited, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. It, it's fairly similar. So yeah, that's that's something. And that's kind of why, you know, we've we've been building some of the solutions we've been building, really just trying to combat some of those things and, and help people, you know, do you have a chance or do you not? Like realistically. All I'm interested in is getting finding people who are actually qualified to come, motivated to come and work with them, or people who are, don't mind taking a, a chance at maybe a twenty, thirty percent chance, but they know it and they understand it. And they're willing to do it because, you know, it's worth doing it and not doing it. Now, when you talk about those other programs, what what are specifically that you're working on? Tell me a little bit about those. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So basically two pro, two, pro, uh, two platforms and, um, and specifically one, the problem they solve. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them, uh, I'll start off with the problem we were just discussing here. So it's calling true. That's about with two ends. So we're about to launch. Um, but the time this recording comes out, we've launched. And uh, so what is it called again? I'm sorry, it's called which? It's called so I M M P R O V E D. So I've improved my chances with two M's. So I two M's for immigration. So and what it does basically, you fill out a questionnaire and immediately gives your immigration options. It tells you how many points you have. It tells you what you need to do to increase your points. It tells you is your work permits available to you? Is there any other? There's over a hundred over 110 and then we combine what permits you're well into the hundreds of options and ways to immigrate so improve makes it really streamlined very simple for free people could at least get enough education to to take it from zero understanding to 80 percent 70 percent so now if they meet it come across someone who's like oh i can help you immigrate at least they're more educated they could actually see what well, explain to me how that's going to work so that's mm. improved of course to allow to take all of the experience we've taken, built over the years, the logic that we've put in place, um, our practices of immigration, we want to build that out to a digital solution. And then nice. the, sec- and the second platform we have, it's actually Canada's largest and Australia's largest immigration uh, tracking system. We have over 180,000 users uh, over the last four years, and it's called ImmiTrack. So that's I-M-M-I Tracker. Um, so if you just Google ImmiTracker, it's quite prevalent out there. Um, and that allows users to track their immigration file and other files and other people's files. And it gives them far more predictability in terms of when they could expect the decision to come out or and how things are progressing with their files compared to other people's. The, the thing that's beautiful about that is community-driven. So people are literally signing up, putting in their own data, and it's great. they're not incentivized. They just do it. Pay them to measure what you're doing, but more growing just to kind of get back to the community. Look at how ImmiTrack applies so how the community works together. And it's not just a one country, it's various countries from all over the world. So I think uh, ImmiTrack is something that warms my heart just because I see community. And it makes me very excited to tackle some problems and try to help the world not be taken a bad job, not have people who aren't the best, better, and that great off, give up everything, you know? So 
um, that's really what we're hoping to do here. That's really exciting. I think the the idea of a portal for somebody to be able to log in and really see real data rather than being bamboozled by somebody saying, I'll get back to you. You know, I think that that is, you know, puts the power in the hands of the people that need it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. And as I said, immigration is fast changing. So when immigration changes, we know your profile will send you alerts, alerts that you got to you should be paying attention to. So, you know, these are some of the things as an immigration expert and being in the space for so long, this is the pain point I see. Like sometimes I spoke speech to a client a year ago and yeah, we have a CRM system. Yes, we do all that. But like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this guy is first one. Perfect ship for this, right? Um, yeah. And then you deal with people come here, international students. And just, it, it's really sad to see some of the challenges. Information's fine to understand. It's a lot of pieces in, right? So, um, you know, it, it's not easy. If I was an issue, I would, I would be feeling the same way. So we built that to really address that that challenge for them. Now, if you're going to leave them with one one thought, you know, something that, you know, probably the biggest thing that if, if somebody was going to be surprised in this space, you know, not in the positive way, like they won won the lottery, what is what is the biggest thing that you would leave them with? Um, it, you, someone who wants to come to Canada? Yeah, somebody is either somebody who's dealing with somebody who's being immigrated, somebody's looking to recruit, somebody's immigrating. You can pick, we can pick whatever one you topic you want. And find that surprise that is you're going to unearth it, so they they're not going to be shocked when this happens. Um, it is. I think it's the hardest job in the world. So whether you're using whether you're going through immigration yourself, you hire a representative. If the representative's guide and they care about what they do, just know that they have probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. Those my colleagues and in the field, you know, I I have I'm a recent chief college start conversation with that. I said, not everyone's always about really tough jobs and big weight here on the shoulders, but uh, immigration actually, especially the ones who really care, you know, the ones that it hurts when, when things hurts themselves. That that's probably the thing we deal with the governments, deal with mm-hmm. people who don't have really they're not citizens. Um, you're dealing with uh, clients who probably never spent as much money in their lives on a service ever. Um, you're dealing mm-hmm. with um, government. You're dealing with a, a faceless entity. I can't call. Maybe I get lucky and speak to an agent, but they'll just tell me what I could just order the notes for. Like, so there is no human personality touch. In some areas of immigration, yes, you have a face-to-face. That's a very small percent. Most of the time it's through paper application so or online application. So. Yeah, like I think that's why I think it is one of the hardest jobs. And of course, you make a mistake; it could really ruin someone's life. And absolutely, generations to come. So the crab fishermen have it good, is what you're saying? The what, sir? The crab fishermen have it good. Oh yeah, they're supposed to have the most dangerous job or whatever. The most the the most difficult job. Yeah, uh, most dangerous job. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Immigration, (laughs) amongst other occupations, I don't want to make it seem like it's the only one, but. Yeah. I don't think people realize how um, how hard this occupation is. If I gotta keep going back to feed care, I just know there's quite a bit of people out there who don't. They just want the money, you know. They don't care if they make mistakes or mistakes yeah. just happen. Um, we are bright. We really, you know, I could count the mistakes we made over thousands of files, and I know each one, and we build systems to make sure it never happens again. So, um, it's really important to me. Well, again, you know what? I really want to thank you. Uh, how do people reach out to you to make sure that we've got your contact details uh, on the on the recording? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can visit uh, com, or if you need help with immigration services, you can also check www.getimproved.com. Again, that's with two M's. And then Immy Tracker is um, www.immitracker.app. Um, so but if you Google it, you'll come up. It, it's pretty high ranking there, so you'll see it. Um, but yeah, that's how you can reach me. I'm happy to help anyone that's going through a journey. If you just need some honest advice, give me a shout. I'm happy to give that to you. Now, do you get free M&Ms when you come visit too? Because you love the double M's. We are in a web. <laughs> yeah, I guess what's free? I guess that you're in the office. Um, <laughs> no, it's awesome. We're happy to help, happy to guide people. Um, I take great, uh, great privilege. You know, I think it's important. A lot of us, a lot of humans, look for a purpose or want to get back. Um, though I have a job to team, God bless them. So, but one thing is, get to serve that sounds amazing. Well, guys, if you want to check them out, make sure you visit those websites. Again, we've got brightimmigration.com is is the central one to hit and uh, and definitely check them out. He is a true uh, advocate uh, for the people that he works for and uh, has a heart of gold. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. And everybody, go check him out. And Triple M Nation, that is a wrap for this week's episode of the Money, Mindset, and Mentoring Podcast. This is your host, Steve Hamoon, reminding you that success is not just a destination, but a journey that we take together. I hope our discussions today have sparked ideas, challenged your thinking, and ultimately equipped you with strategies for financial and entrepreneurial growth. Remember, every challenge is a stepping stone towards your goals, and every victory brings you closer to your vision. Let's continue to learn, evolve, and reach for the stars together. Stay tuned for next week's episode, packed with more inspiring stories and insightful discussions. If you found value in our time together today, don't forget to subscribe, share, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Until then, keep fostering that growth mindset. Keep leveraging money as a tool for your expansion and never stop believing in the power of your dreams. This is Steve Moon signing off. See you next time, Triple M Nation, on the Money, Mindset, and Mentoring Podcast.